Thanks for joining us on the Hope Podcast. Hope Community Church exists to love people where they are and help them grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ. By pursuing this relationship together, we can change the world. Hey, when you're done listening to this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to our YouTube channel and download our free app. From there, you can find all of our recent message content. Our app is actually the best place to keep up with everything going on at Hope. If you like what you hear today, we encourage you to share this with your friends or family. Enjoy. Is it okay to start listening to Christmas music yet? (laughs) We're a week into December. I would assume that now is the appropriate time to listen to Christmas music, but man, I see some of your angst on social media and I feel like some of y'all would be more okay if I posted an AI generated photo of me punting baby Jesus before I say that I started listening to Christmas music in August, all right? So how many of y'all like before December you feel like it's okay? There we go. And some of y'all are like, well, how far before December are we talking, right? And, and here's the truth, man. I, I think it's okay. I think you can listen to Christmas music whenever you want. I'm going to be that guy. I'm going to say it. I believe, yeah, there you go. You can clap if you, if you agree. You don't have to, it's not a peer pressure thing. But um, man, I think it's okay to listen to Christmas music whenever you want. And I'm going to tell you why. Because I think so much of Christmas music is so pro what we're for. Like so much of Christmas music is about what we're about as Jesus followers, right? Now, I'm not going to say that all of it gets a pass. For example, Santa Baby, it's weird. Never an appropriate time to whip that one out. But Silent Night, like Silent Night, when you listen to the lyrics of that song, I say have at it. Joy to the world, basically a worship song. However, if you try to pull out Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer on the 4th of July... Especially if grandma's over at the house, you're going to have a hard time, right? It's going to be, it's going to be a little bit weird. But, but actually, I, I, like I said, I don't have a problem with Christmas music year round because of what I think it invokes inside of all of us. I mean, just take that song that we just listened to for example, okay? I'm going to read the lyrics to it for you and, and really chew on these words, okay? Christmas time is here, happiness and cheer. Fun for all that children call their favorite time of year. Snowflakes in the air carols everywhere, olden time and ancient rhymes of love and dreams to share, sleigh bells in the air, beauty everywhere, yuletide by the fireside and joyful memories there. Christmas time is here, families drawing near. Oh, that we could always see such spirit through the year. Man, isn't that beautiful? Oh, that we could see such spirit through the year. Here's the truth. We may not want the music, the Christmas music year round, but we certainly want that, don't we? We want that feeling of joy, of peace, of happiness, that that thing that just kind of goes through the air around this time of year where people seem a little bit nicer. They seem a little bit more generous. It's a little bit easier to think about other people before yourself. Last week, Jason talked about us moving towards others in compassion. And I really do think that we just become a little bit more compassionate during this time of year. You know, all year long, we see stories of tragedy. And when we do, yeah, it, it, it kind of messes with us. But after a while, like that news cycle, it just, it becomes numb and kind of white noise. But when you hear about tragedy around this time of the year, like you kind of tune in and lean in and you're a little bit more sympathetic, maybe even empathetic. 
This is a time where we're more willing to give to the under-resourced, where, where we're willing to scour the internet to search for soup kitchens in need or homeless shelters that we can serve at. Or maybe when you're at the store buying gifts, you, you throw one extra one in your basket because you know of this local community center that's doing a toy drive or something like that. Oh, that we would see that spirit through the year. January, February, March, April, all throughout. So the question is, is that if we want to see that through the year, well, why don't we? Well, that's what this entire series, Beyond Christmas, is all about. Over uh, the next couple of weeks, all the way into our, evening, uh, our Christmas Eve services, we're going to be talking about what does it look like to carry the truth and the spirit of Christmas beyond just these few calendar days into not just the rest of the year, but to deeply embed it in our hearts so that we're the type of people who carry this sort of spirit with us wherever we go. Now, I want to be clear. We often talk about the spirit of Christmas, and that may sound really warm and fuzzy on the inside, but really what we're talking about as followers of Jesus is the spirit of God. Because he is the giver of gifts. He is the source of all peace. He is the source of all joy. All the things that we love in this season, it is the perfect gift given to us by our Heavenly Father. And so how do we carry that spirit through the year? And so to talk about this, we're going to be looking uh, at the book of Luke. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 1. That's where we're going to start off today. And uh, I'm going to start off in Luke chapter 1. Next week we'll get into Luke chapter 2 a little bit. Uh, Here's what I want you to know. Um, This series, or really this message today, we don't have enough time to get through all of Luke 1. So what I really want to encourage you to do and what I really want you to to do on your own is to, over the course of this series leading up to Christmas, I want you to spend some time actually sitting in Luke chapters 1 and 2 because I think that there's so much richness in these two chapters that God wants us to get into. And so today, let me give you this precursor. We're not even going to be getting to Jesus yet. Like we're going to talk about Jesus, but there's a story that precedes the birth of Jesus that we're going to be talking about. Okay, now, if you are one of those people who, as I highly encourage, uh, you're going to get into your word this week. You're going to dive into Luke chapters 1 and 2. I want to give you a couple of tools that will help you uh, when it comes to reading this book. Okay, first of all, the book of Luke was written by... Luke, there you go. Pat yourselves on the back. Good job. You're already off on the good foot. And look, much like you, Luke was a smart person. Uh, As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us that he was a physician and he worked for a man named Theophilus. Now, we don't know a ton about Theophilus, but in the introduction to the book of Luke, Luke tells us or kind of hints to us that Theophilus is at the least he's interested in Jesus. Maybe he's even a, a student of the faith. But for whatever reason, Theophilus still has some questions. And so what Luke does is he goes out kind of like a reporter, an investigative reporter, and he gathers all these eyewitness accounts of people who actually walked with Jesus because, uh, I don't know if you knew this or not, but Luke was not one of the disciples. He came on the scene later on. He was a friend of Paul, so he walked with Paul a lot. Uh, But Luke goes and gathers eyewitness accounts of people who witnessed Jesus and compiled all these things into this letter so that Theophilus can stand firm in his faith. And so him being a physician, him being a smart man, being a scholar, being a reporter, uh, what he does is he, he compiles a very detailed account of the life of Jesus 
And uh, I know a lot of times we say Paul wrote the majority of the New Testament. Technically, that's not true. Luke actually beats him out because of word count. Like Luke wrote Luke and Acts. He wrote like an extra 2,000 words or something just to pat himself on the back. But uh, Luke has a higher word count. And so he gets into the details. And that's why his story goes all the way back to the beginning, even before Jesus comes on the scene. And so we're going to pick up in verse 5 says this in Luke 1.5, When Herod was king of Judea, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah. He was a member of the priestly order of Abijah, and his wife Elizabeth was also from the priestly line of Aaron. Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all the Lord's commands and regulations. They had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive, and they were both very old. Now let's pause here for just a second and take some notes, okay? What we learn uh, through Luke is what he's doing is he's using a tool that's very common in the Bible. He uses repetition to try to get a point across. And the point that he wants us to understand about Zechariah and Elizabeth is that they are holy people. They are seen as righteous. And so he gives us a couple of details. One, he says Zechariah was a priest. Then he doubles down and he says Elizabeth was also born of the priestly line. And then to put it bluntly, he says they were righteous in God's eyes and they were careful to obey all the Lord's commands. What is he saying up front? He's trying to establish that these people were in good standing with God. Like if there was anybody who had the report card to say, hey, listen, I'm crushing it. I'm doing things that pleases the Lord. Uh, He looks down on me favorably. It would be these two. However, he also introduces a problem they're going through. And for us in our modern sensibilities and our idea, our broken idea of justice, we think, well, if they're doing everything right, how come they have problems? We're going to talk about that. The problem that they run into is that they don't have kids. And Luke, he uses that same tool of repetition to let us know about this problem. He says, they had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive and they were old. In other words, he's saying they don't have any kids. They ain't getting any kids. There's no hope for kids. He's letting us know that. And this was a big deal. Like for Elizabeth to be barren in this day and age, it it meant something for you socially. It's like, what do you even have to contribute to your community, to your society? Uh, On paper, this would have given Zechariah the right to divorce her and no one would have bat an eye at it. But Zechariah, he stays faithful to his wife and he stays faithful to his service as a priest. Now, I just want to pause right here for a minute and ask, can anyone here relate? Have you ever felt like you were in a good spot with the Lord? Like your quiet time feels more fruitful than it's ever been. You're staying consistent with it this time. You got that, that streak on the Bible app that seems so elusive to so many of us. Maybe, maybe you've stopped gossiping at work. You're coming to church on your own will. You're giving financially. You're serving. You're leading a small group. And despite all of that, it still feels like there's some area of your life where it seems like God couldn't care less. Have you ever felt that way? Well, here's a reminder that Christmas is for you. Let's keep reading. One day, Zacharias was serving God in the temple uh, for his order was on duty that week. As, the cust- as was the custom of the priest, he was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. When the incense was being burned, a great crowd stood outside praying. While Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the incense altar. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him, but the angel said, Don't be afraid, Zechariah. Let me tell you 
how much that probably didn't work. <laughs> like if you have an angelic being come down and stand in front of you and go says, hey, don't be afraid, it's gonna be fine. A few weeks ago, I was driving in the car with my wife and I, was, I will admit, I was not paying attention to the road. The problem is neither was the woman that was driving towards us. And so she taps me on the shoulder and says, Aaron, look. And so I look up and I swerve out of the way right around the same time. The woman driving, she swerves out of the way and we go around. My wife's in the passenger seat. She's hysterical. And I say, hey, calm down. This strategy probably didn't work. <laughs> it probably didn't work. Zacharias is probably still upset. But here is the news uh, that Zechariah gets from the angel that should probably try to calm him down a little bit. The angel looks at him and says, God has heard your prayer. Now, this is just me here, but I wonder if in this moment, Zechariah was like, what prayer? <laughs> like, I'm a priest. I'm in the temple praying. This is my job. Like, I carry the prayers for all of the people into this sacred space. Like, that's, that's what, that's my job is to pray. And I just wonder, because, you know, Zechariah is old and Elizabeth is old and it's just not going to happen. Like, I wonder, I wonder if Zechariah had stopped praying for a child like a long time ago. I wonder if Zechariah's prayer was just as old as he was. I wonder if it had been so long that when the angel is like, hey, listen, God heard your prayer, Zechariah, like the, the kid thing isn't even on his mind. But the angel reassures him, God has heard your prayer. I'm highlighting this for a reason, and we'll get back to it in a little bit. Let's keep reading. Angel says, your, your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son, and you are to name him John. Now, if you're new to the Bible, if you're new to this whole Christmas thing, this whole church thing, you're probably like, wait a minute, isn't it supposed to be Jesus? Like I said, we'll get to that next week. But this is about John, John the Baptist. And the angel, he, con he continues, he says, you will have great joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth and he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. Y'all, this is a gender reveal for the ages. And there's no weird pomp and circumstance. There's no forest fires. There's none of those baby blue grenade launchers or any of that. It's just an angel, a voice from heaven that says, hey, Zechariah, your prayer is gonna be answered because God heard you. You're gonna give birth to a son. And he's going to be one of the good ones. <laughs> it's not like, oh, you're having a boy and he's going to be rowdy and rambunctious and rebellious. No, actually, he's going to turn the rebellious ones towards God. This is the best news that Zechariah could ever get. But wait a minute. This isn't just another baby announcement. Zechariah is a priest. And every single day he goes to work and even on his off days, he's preparing and waiting with anticipation for something. He's waiting for a coming Messiah. He's waiting and praying and asking and seeking for the one who will come and whose presence will lead a weeping world into rejoicing. And he doesn't know when that's going to happen, but it's in the words of Gabriel, the angel, where I think something starts to connect inside of Zechariah's head. See, Zechariah, being a student of the Bible, knowing the word back and forth, uh, he would have known these words that were coming out of Gabriel's mouth. Because the truth is, is that the words that are echoing out of Gabriel's mouth, it's been over 400 years 
since Israel has heard these words. Because for the last 400 years, there hasn't been a word from God. There hasn't been a voice of the prophets. The words that come out of Gabriel's mouth, they're actually the last words of the Old Testament. The book of Malachi, it's the last book of the Old Testament. It's the last recorded word from the prophets that we have. And look at what it says. Malachi 4, verses 5 through 6. It says, look, I am sending you a prophet, Elijah, before the great and dreadful day of the Lord arrives. His preaching will, listen to this, turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers. Does that sound familiar? I'd hope so because I just read it like two minutes ago. (laughs) But it would have sounded familiar to Zechariah too. Zechariah's son, John, who we later know as John the Baptist, he is the precursor to the Messiah. He is the precursor to Jesus coming. And guess what? Right now, Gabriel is telling Zechariah, hey, you, old Zechariah, and your wife, old Elizabeth, not only are you going to give birth to a son, but it's such an integral part of God's plan that your son is going to be the one to prepare the way for Jesus. And through all of this, Zechariah in Luke 1.18 asks this question. He goes, how can I be sure this will happen? And then he starts stating the obvious. I'm an old man now and my wife is also along in years, which by the way, what a pro move by Zechariah. <laughs> I'm old and she's seasoned. <laughs> he knows better than to call his wife old, right? But maybe you're in that place. Maybe there's something you've prayed about. Maybe there's something you're still praying for. Maybe you've prayed about it for so long and that time has passed and by now you've forgotten about it. Either way, every now and then you find yourself shaking your fist at heaven, looking at the realities of your life and saying, but how can I actually know, God? How can I trust? How can I be sure? Can I tell you something? You can't. You can't. And I know that's probably not where you thought our time together would be going today. I know that you probably thought that hearing this message and hearing the story of Zechariah and hearing the story of Elizabeth, that the goal and the purpose of everything we've been talking about here has been to encourage you of like, hey, if there's something you're waiting on, just keep praying because eventually an angel from heaven will come down and tell you you're going to get that thing. Maybe you thought this was a message where I said, hey, if you just have enough faith, If you just believe hard enough, if you just keep praying, then God is going to give you everything you've ever asked for. But the truth is, is that that doesn't always happen. Sometimes you pray for things from God and he doesn't give them to you. Sometimes there's prayers that you pray for a really long time and then you forget about those prayers and that's just kind of where it feels like they stop. But but that doesn't mean that this message isn't to encourage you. In fact, it is to encourage you. It's to encourage you for this Christmas season. It's to remind you of the truth of why I think Luke put this story in before the birth of Jesus. It's because the birth of Jesus signifies something for all of us. I took a minute earlier to harp on the fact when Gabriel tells Zechariah, God has heard your prayer. And I I think the issue was never that God forgot about Zechariah, but I think Zechariah forgot about God. I think Zechariah had been so let down, so hurt, so disappointed that, that he wasn't even thinking about this anymore. I 
I think Zechariah got to a point where he wondered if God was ever even concerned about him anymore, and, and maybe that's where you are too. But, but this is the beauty of this season that we're in that I don't want you to miss. Christmas is this annual gift from God above to remind us of the same thing that Gabriel reminded Zechariah of. God hears your prayers. Even if he doesn't answer them the way that you think he would, even if he doesn't give you the things you think you deserve, God hears your prayers. Like that's the truth, that's the bottom line, that's the moral of the story. I want to put it to you this way. Christmas is a reminder that God has not forgotten about you. And I just want you to sit in that for just a moment. I want to show you something, something that's really cool. I don't, I don't, when I saw this, it kind of blew my mind. I'll be honest with you. Names in the Bible, they're rarely insignificant. Uh, in fact, they were given which much, with much thought and intentionality. And as you continue to read through John or Luke chapter 1 on your own, you'll realize that the naming of John was a really big deal. Like no one thought that should have been it. But hey, you get a message from heaven. That's what you name your kid. That's what you name your kid. Uh, but here's something really cool that I learned while in preparation for this. The, the, the two main characters that we have in this story, Zechariah and Elizabeth, okay? You have Zechariah, who I just want to put his name up for a second because I want you to see uh, what his name means. Now, depending on which Bible you're reading from or depending on how this is translated, uh, the, it's either Zechariah or Zechariah. And the Hebrew uh, pronunciation of his name is Zechariah. And his name is made up of two parts. There's Zakar, which means to remember, and Yah, which is derivative of Yahweh, which is the name of God. So Zacharias' name literally means God remembers. And then Elizabeth, her name in Hebrew is pronounced Elisheva, El meaning God and Shiva meaning oath. So her name means the oath of God. So literally when you put their two names together, what you get is the truth that God remembers his oath. I told you, man, Luke was a smart dude. <laughs> and I can't help but to think that while he was under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he was commanded to put this story in here to say, hey, Jesus coming to earth is a reminder to you that God keeps his oath. Which oath are we even talking about? All the way back in the beginning. When man and woman, when Adam and Eve messed everything up, when we sinned, when we created this divide between us and God and Satan thought he won, what did God curse Satan with? He says, listen, yeah, you put sin into this world and sin is going to nip away at the heels of these people. But here's the truth. There's one coming Satan who is going to crush your head and you don't get to win this thing. And God never forgot about that. Instead, what he does is he puts on flesh and bone. He moves into the neighborhood. He comes down in the form of a child, of an infant. He humbles himself, grows up as a man, and goes to the cross for you and for me. Why? Because even though it had been thousands of years, 400 years of silence, even through all of that, even when it feels like everything was hopeless, when it feels like we were at our deepest point in our deepest place of loss, God never forgets his oath and he always provides a solution and a way out. And he does that in the form of himself, in the form of a man named Jesus. And that is what Christmas is all about. That is the reason why we celebrate. It's the reason why we do so many things. It's the reason why we're going to be sitting in this for the next couple of weeks. And my hope, here's an actual next step for you. You ready? 
when this gets put out online or wherever you're listening to this, I want you to set a reminder to listen to this in March. (laughs) Set a reminder to listen to Dwayne's message from next week in July. Take some time and actually remember that God has not forgotten about you. And he never will. Does it mean that tough times are never going to come? Unfortunately, that's not what it means. No, everything isn't going to work out the way you anticipate or the way that you think it should. But man, we don't, we don't suffer alone. I love this so I was reading a book earlier today. And, and the guy said, hey, we're not just the people who wait for God. We've been graced enough to wait with God. Come on, man. That's so good. I'm so mad I didn't think of that. <laughs> we wait with God. And so we, we remember that Emmanuel, God with us, is with us in the middle of everything that we go through. And so there's many things that Christmas can remind us of. The gifts we need to buy, the lights we need to fix, all the decorations we need to put up, all the presents we need to wrap, all the family we don't want to see, all the cars we need to send out, the God-awful traffic at Crabtree Valley Mall. If we're not careful, Christmas can just become a synonym for the most stressful time of the year. But, but what if we looked beyond that? What if we remembered that when we were at our lowest, buried deepest in our sin, God came to be with us? So the next time you see Christmas lights, I want you to think about how Jesus is the light that illuminates the darkness. The next time you see a Christmas tree, I want you to think about the tree that Jesus willingly hung himself up on to make a way for us to have a a right relationship with God. And the next time you sing a Christmas song, probably not uh, Santa Baby, don't do that one. But one of the ones that remind us of the goodness and greatness of God, man, just let that permeate into your soul all year long. And let it be the reminder that you're not alone. The next time you're just sitting in traffic in the parking garage at Crabtree Valley Mall, (laughs) wishing there was a way out, let's remember that God gave us one. That's his son, Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your goodness. Thank you that even when we were at our lowest, even when it felt like we had nothing else to do in this world, God, when we felt like we had no way to turn, God, you gave us yourself. You blessed us with the gift of your son, Jesus. And so, Lord, my prayer is an echo of all the prayers represented in this room right now and all the prayers represented by the people watching at all of our different conferences all the prayers represented by people listening online or watching on YouTube. God, I just pray as you're hearing all of those, as you're receiving all of those prayers and and in your sovereignty, you're deciding what to do with each and every one. Lord, I just pray that your Holy Spirit would give us such a sense of, of closeness of nearness with you. Lord, I pray for the person who genuinely struggles with doubts and questions on whether or not you're listening, on questions about if you're near, questions about if you care. 
Lord, I'm thankful for the opportunity to be a voice, to, to remind that you do. And Lord, I just pray that you would surround them with more voices. God, this is the place, these are the dark areas of our lives where Satan tries to lie to us. He tries to get under our skin. He tries to convince us of things that aren't true. So Lord, I pray that be it your own voice or the voice of trusted friends, family, coworkers, whatever, Lord, I pray that you would just envelop each and every one of us in the truth that you see us, that you love us, that you care for us, and that you are near. Lord, this season is a grand reminder that you uh, have, have drawn close to us. God, my prayer is that we never forget that or lose sight of that. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Hope Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this message and encourage you to share it with your friends and family. If you live in the greater Raleigh-Durham area in North Carolina, we'd love to meet you at one of our weekend gatherings. For campus locations, service times, and information on our children and student environments, check out gethope.net. To make sure you don't miss our next message, please take a moment to hit the subscribe button. We would like to invite you to support what we are doing by visiting gethope.net slash give. Through generosity of people like you, Hope can run programs like our food pantry, homework club, project classroom, and many more.